Are you going to Gen Con? Guess what? So are Jeff Greiner, Rudy Basso, and I. If you want to see us, we're going to be doing a live roundtable at 5 p.m. the Friday of Gen Con. That's Friday, August 5th in the Crown Plaza in Grand Central Ballroom D. We're going to be joined by fan favorite panelist Liz Tice and others TBA. Then at 7 o'clock, that same Friday, we're going to be getting together at Rock Bottom Brewery, grab some drinks, grab some food, hang out with all three of us. It's going to be a great time. Then I wanted to let you know that on the Saturday of Gen Con, that's Saturday, August 6th at 7 p.m., in the Westin Grand Ballroom 4, the Gen Con Film Fest is showing my short film, Nightbirds. It's a short film I made with a great dude named Jay Lechko. It's about a comedic superhero duo taking on the villainous deadbeat dad. You guys are going to want to check this out. It's with a bunch of other really great superhero short films. 7 o'clock. It's an hour and a half. Come watch some great film. Get a little culture. Maybe take a break from all the insanity of Gen Con. And just enjoy. Let us entertain you. Uh, So check it out. It's Nightbirds. And the best part is it's all free. So go ahead and check that out. I can't wait to see you all in Indianapolis. All right, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a baller rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been listening to the Tome Show and paying nothing for it, but you want to help support, please go give us a great review. It takes less than a minute of your time, and we need them. We're running out of them for me to read. We do shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read at least one five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Today's review comes from Darren underscore SF. It is a short and sweet review, and I love it. It is called Truly a Great Show. Darren SF says... Don't waste your time reading my words. Spend it listening to the damned podcast. Darren, I appreciate you walking the line. Like I said, it's a family-friendly D&D news podcast, but I'm okay with dropping a D-bomb every now and then. All right, Darren, you're the man. People, please, I need more five-star reviews. It seriously helps with our visibility. Go do it. Thank you. All right, today we have some very important D&D announcements that came out of their live event at Meltdown Comics last week that we're going to be talking about. But before we get there, let's meet our panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What is your favorite kind of giant? New to the roundtable is Ginny Loveday. Ginny, welcome to the roundtable. Before we get to the get-to-know-you question... Why don't you tell the people out there a little bit about yourself and your background with tabletop games? Um, Okay. Uh, So I guess first and foremost, um, I'm big into D&D 5th edition, um, and I love the organized play campaign so much that I decided to become part of it. I'm currently the Southeast Regional Coordinator for Adventurers League. Um, It's... uh, I'm a little biased, the best region in the country. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I've been doing D&D for 
um, what doesn't seem like very long to most people, but uh, probably about eight years or so um, around the end of 3.5 before fourth edition, um, which I did not like personally. But fifth edition, I love. So I'm very excited to be here today. Um, done some other tabletop stuff. I'm huge into board games. Um, and um, so very excited to be here. And favorite type of giant um, would be a fire giant because my characters tend to have a propensity towards uh, fire and setting things aflame. So I can kind of... Uh, you know, empathize with them. Got a bad reputation, you know. <laughs> I can't tell if you're trying to hint that you're like a secret arc- arsonist or not at the moment. Uh, but I agree, fire giants are uh, are super super cool. Uh, and I like that you are able to relate to them. Uh, and uh, <laughs> glad we are not neighbors. I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but no. welcome. It is awesome to have you, um, uh, Ginny. I don't know you personally. Uh, well, I guess I do now. But um, you know, uh, I used to live in Atlanta. Uh, it is a great region of the country and it's a great region to play organized play in D&D and we know a lot of the same people so uh, it's cool to finally have you on the podcast on that note just so we're not confusing people I'm actually in Knoxville Tennessee even though I know most of the Atlanta crowd and I'm down there a lot really confusing because I know Paige and Ben and Mm -hmm. uh, Topher the previous RC and all those people so everyone's like yeah come visit you in Atlanta well I mean no 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 you're not gotcha gotcha well we're clearing it up here right here right now also uh, on the roundtable today, uh, we have Liz Tice. Liz Tice, welcome back to the roundtable. What is your favorite kind of giant? So I have actually never played in a campaign with any sort of giants. I know that's sort of weird, um, but I haven't. So I don't really know all of the different types just because I've only really read about them rather than played with them. But I think I'm going to go with the classic hill giants. You know, they're sort of the the giant that you think of and when you when you're reading novels or or hear about something with giants. And so they're they're kind of what I envision with the whole like fee fi fo fum um, <laughs> type of giant. So I'll, I'll go classic rat and, and go with them. Yeah, you know the um the old Mickey's uh, Muppet Christmas Carol where Scrooge McDuck <laughs> is is Scrooge and there's that giant who is the ghost of Christmas present. Uh, that's what yeah. I always think of when I think of a hill giant. That's the- yeah. Well, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of the um, Broadway musical Into the Woods, mm. and so I grew up with that. So I always think of that sort of sort of the the very classic giant in that regard. Nice, nice. Yeah, Hill Giants, they're they're tough to beat. Uh, but I'm wondering if Patrick Dennis is able to uh, to s- defend his choice of favorite giant. Uh, Patrick, what is your favorite giant? Uh, I feel like I'm kind of cheating because I'm not even sure if they're considered true giants anymore. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Pomorians. They're technically giants, but I don't think they're included with the new storyline. But uh, they're fun. They're your you know, they have all the size and smashing of the regular giants, but they also have a wickedly cool backstory of once being a lot more important and a lot more impressive than they are now. <laughs> so I think they do with elves in the Feywild now than they than they used to in previous editions, but uh, they're always really cool when you can kind of stick them in a, in a horror fashion, too. They're not just big guys from the woods that smash things. 
Yeah, they have an evil gaze, right? That can uh, sort yeah. of uh, cause uh, some some terrible effects depending on what edition you're playing, um, which yeah. is pretty cool. And I think they come out of Celtic lore. Sorry, I'm just I'm dropping all the the pop culture facts today, you guys. I got I got Mickey's Christmas Carol. I got Celtic lore. I got Atlanta and Knoxville. Uh, I'm I'm on a roll. Uh, Sam Dillon, <laughs> welcome back to the roundtable. It's so good to have you, buddy. I feel like it's been forever. I know, I know. You, you decided you didn't like me, so you quit inviting me on. I think what? that's what happened. <laughs> no, I just kidding. Just I kidding. was, I was saving you for the D and D announcement of the. Oh, year, there you go. And that's what this is, uh, Sam. What is your favorite kind of giant? Uh, well, I, I'm also gonna kind of skirt the rules a little bit, and I'm gonna say Marrow are my favorite giant. They're actually giant kin. They, in previous editions, were sort of these giant aquatic ogres, um, and I think in 5th edition, though, they, they give them a sort of uh, uh, like corrupted merfolk backstory or something, if, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, they are these nasty, brutish, evil, seagoing, slimy, stinky, ogreish merfolk <laughs> yeah yeah and they really yeah, are uh if you've never played right in a campaign with marrow they are terrifying oh, anything yeah. underwater right yeah anything underwater is bad and uh and so they they hold a particular uh nasty devious place in my heart yeah it's like if an ogre and a shark had a baby uh, yeah exactly <laughs> And yeah, I, I played in a campaign once where um, the Marrow were sort of enslaved by uh, some Sahuagin. And so that two, that, that one, two punch was, uh, was horrific. It was, it was really, it was a beast. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. That's always uh, under anything underwater. Like you said, really freaks me yeah. out. Uh, namely because I'm afraid I'm going to have to learn a whole new set of rules. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it is, uh, that, that kind of thing being out of your element like that is, is so creepy. Um, so yeah. the reason we're talking about giants today is there was a huge live D and D event at meltdown Comic in LA. Uh, if you don't know about the event or you don't know about Meltdown Comics, Meltdown Comics is a classic comic book shop in downtown LA that has a theater in the back, um, a Nerd Melt Theater, where kind of uh, comedians go and perform and they do improv classes and the Nerdist podcast used to record there. And there's all kinds of great stuff that's happening there. Um, all kinds of really great comedians. Chris Hardwick, I think, uh, has a, a big vested interest uh, in the, the theater back there. The Meltdown show on Comedy Central with Jonah and Kumail. Uh, is filmed there at Meltdown Comics. Um, so this uh, they they decided to do this big D and D announcement there, where they announced Storm King's Thunder, which we talked a little bit about on this podcast. It was rumored or leaked, um, you know, uh, but we've gotten a little more confirmation. It is this big story that is about the ordining which is a giant caste system that uh sort of ranks every single giant uh, has been broken and now giants are vying for power. 
power and they, you know, suddenly can move up in the world. And they're, uh, you know, this adventure sort of centers around all of these different giants doing these crazy things, vying for power now that the ordining has broken. Uh, The new season of organized play is going to center around this. There's going to be a hardcover adventure that uh, supposedly takes characters from levels 1 through 11, and they also talked about a new rune magic mechanic that's going to be involved. Unclear whether or not that involves the rune priest prestige class that premiered in Unearthed Arcana several months ago, um, or if it's going to be something different. We know from the feedback that people weren't, like, super jazzed about prestige classes in 5th edition. So, and particularly the the uh, rune caster, it wasn't the rune priest, that's my 4th edition coming out. Rune caster, rune scribe. Rune scribe. I'm wondering, are you guys excited for Storm King's Thunder, and are you excited for Rune Magic? Sam Dillon, let's start with you. Um, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm excited because uh, I like the fact that they're kind of going back to some of the original kind of iconic storylines, and, and yet it's not the same. They're going to do something different with it. Uh, I like that, and I, I like giants, so I like the idea of the storyline and and the way that Chris Perkins described it in in, in the press release or in the in the video uh, that they did um, was really interesting to me. So I'm looking forward to it in that way. Um, on the other hand, uh, I'd really like to see them create less than a you know 200 page book every four months like in other words i I want them to do some smaller shorter adventure support sure well Uh, i think you know i think they're looking to the dms guild and the fact that they're putting a lot of the adventures league adventures on there as kind of one way to do that i i get that but it's cool if you're not satisfied (laughs) with that i I hear that you're not the only person saying that so i i totally understand yeah, but I, I am I'm I'm curious to see what they did with the the rune magic. Um, I'm not super duper excited about it, mm-hmm. uh, but you know if it's integrated into the adventure in a really cool way, uh, you know if 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 it's something where the the party or my players can sort of discover this kind of new way of using magic that the that the giants are doing or something, that would be really cool. Um, if it's just like, oh, here's some new mechanics and some new spells and some new way to think about magic, eh, I don't know if I'm I'm too excited about that. Yeah, I think it sounds like you know they described uh, being able to attach runes to magic items and uh, or or, or uh, normal items and to turn them magic mm-hmm. and that like. When you have a rune, it's pretty modular. Like, you could apply it to armor or to a weapon, uh, you know, and it has a different effect depending on the type of thing you apply it to. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, But, yeah, Yeah. I will be interested to see if they're not going to use the rune scribe, how are they going to execute it, right? Right. Yeah, because what you're describing sounds more like, okay, here is kind of an artifact that you can use Mm -hmm. to enhance the things that you've got, not like a whole kind of new magic. Right, right. And that's, I don't know if that's just one piece of this. You know, that's, that was my impression, but I I have no idea. So yeah, yeah, it'll be cool to see. Um, And yeah, yeah, it sounds kind of like, well, here's some new magic items, right? At at the end of the day, that's really what that is. My yes and no answer means, of course, I'm excited because I'm a huge D&D fan, right? 
but I'm I am reserved in my excitement because I'm not sure what I'm going to see. Ginny, what do you think? Okay. Are you excited for the Storm King's Thunder and for Rune Magic? I am very excited for it. I've gotten to do um, a little bit of play testing on it. I think I can say that. Um, and I'm super excited for what's to come. I think it's going to be a very, um, a very good adventure. It does kind of harken back to some of that uh, classic D&D feel. And a lot of people that I've talked to that really, you know, maybe haven't enjoyed the current stuff that we're going through are super excited to get back into it, like giants. I mean, when you think of D&D and you think of an epic fight, I mean, eventually you're going to fight a giant. And so they're like super excited to get back to that. And the storyline is really cool. Um, and I mean, um, everything that Chris Perkins um, has described about it um, is really, you know, exciting for me. Like I, I am excited to see, you know, with the, the, the giants gone crazy and the Orden and broken, like chaos has just kind of descended on the realms. So um, being able to, you know, take part in that to work and to get back to, um, you know, normal for the realms, uh, to be part of that, you know, and see the giant's magic at work, the rune magic. I think it's all um, the really um, engaging storyline, much more so than what we have um, now. Like Barovia has been very hit or miss, unfortunately. Like it was it was a cool idea. I didn't. I, I don't like Barovia. It's not for. It's not for me. <laughs> in case you weren't. In case you weren't sure on that. Sure. But I mean, um, you get a lot of stuff like the the rune magic, um, new magic items. Um, there's, uh, you know, possibly a chance to you know become giants yourself. Chris Perkins has said, um, and and a bunch of other stuff like that. So I'm I'm very excited for it. I've been hyping it up a lot. I'm excited to see. Um, all of the new stuff, especially with the the Volo's Guide for Monsters coming out with it, um, what's allowed just for fifth edition, and then what we are able to take into the Adventurers League to kind of change up what we've got going there. There's a lot of um, opportunities for for new stuff with the new magic items, possibly new player races, and all of that. I one of the things that I liked when you were talking about engaging story, I remembered that Chris Perkins and Mike Merles were talking about how like. This isn't just like go kill all of the giants that you will have a chance to sort of make different alliances with all of the giants too and and you know sort of get some of the giants on your side to help you defeat other giants and and that kind of thing that the breaking of the ordning really now allows giants to go against one another. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a, a really interesting aspect. And it's good to hear from somebody who, you know, has, uh, has play tested the material. I think that sort of helps people wrap their mind around like, Oh, okay. All right. All right. Sounds like good stuff is going. It's funny. You are not a, a Barovia fan. Cause I do feel like people either are big time all in Barovia fans or big time, not, you know, they, they either like the Gothic horror flavor or they don't. Why don't uh, we turn to a big Barovia fan, Patrick Dennis, Patrick, <laughs> are you excited for storm King's thunder? I am. Partially because I, I feel like I kind of predicted it a little bit last time we uh, uh, we had me on the, the podcast. We were talking about uh, Curse of Strahd, actually. I thought that we were likely to see them kind of revisit some of the older stuff going forward. And I think I even mentioned Giants. So I feel pretty smart. So I hope it's really good. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited because uh, 
they've got, you know, all these different types of giants. You're going to be bouncing, you know, as characters, you're going to be bouncing between the different types of giants. So there's a lot of variety there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the work you're going to be doing against fire giants is going to have a really different flavor than, say, if you're dealing with the frost giants out on their boats, you know? So I think that gives the players a lot of options. I think you're not necessarily going to get stuck with a certain flavor, whereas like with, you know, Strahd and Barovia, if you're not really into the gothic horror, there's not much there for you, where I think a a campaign like this with with the Giants gives – there's probably something for everyone. Mm -hmm. You get a little bit of the politics. You get the chance to, you know, take down uh, Giants. And I think, if I remember correctly – um, the story for the Storm Giants is that King, the king has disappeared and the daughters are trying to fight over the throne, which is just straight out of King Lear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does lend credence to, I know, years ago when 5th edition first launched, right, there was a rumor that eventually there would be a Shakespearean giant storyline, and, and that definitely lends credence to it, the sort of Lear influence right there, um, which is great. King Lear is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, so, uh, you know, so I'm definitely pumped up about that. Uh and I think you're right about Barovia. Um, it is a distinct flavor, which also makes an adventure sort of harder to break up. Like, if you don't have a distinctive gothic horror style, uh, certainly there's that adventure is very modular and you could bring it in. But if your players don't like that, you know, they're not going to like kids being grind up into dream pastries, right? Um, if you suddenly bring that into your game. So, uh, so it definitely makes sense. Uh, Liz Tice. Are yes. you excited about Storm King's Thunder and Rune Magic? I am so excited for Storm King's Thunder. Um, I watched the announcement, a mixture of yesterday and today, because I was taking my finance final when it was actually live. I know, very exciting. Um, <laughs> but while I was sitting there watching it um, during my lunch break, I was thinking to myself, cool, cool. Okay, really cool. Um, and I just, I got really pumped about it, which, um, you know, I, I love looking at the adventures. Um, I usually don't run published adventures, so I, I often steal um, from published adventures for my own, my own stories. Um, but I'm really, I'm really excited for this one. And I don't know, it could be the one that sort of uh, breaks my mold and, uh, gets me to to try running a, a published adventure again um it's been a while so i'm looking forward to it uh, i like the idea of the rune magic i didn't test out the unearthed arcana um rune magic thing uh so i i really don't know i can't really speak to that specifically but the way mike morals was describing it i was all on board so don't know if i'm setting myself up for some anticipation but i'm very much looking forward to it, and I can't wait to get my hands on a copy from my friend, lo- friendly local gaming store, Game Castle. Um, do a little drop for them, uh, and I'll. I'm, I'm. I guess all I can say is, yay! Let's <laughs> let you know fight against and uh, become allies with some giants. Nice. Well, and it, I think as someone who has apparently never played D&D with giants, uh, this is right? like a super exciting. I kind of want you to come back when you have played through and say like, okay, this is my impression of giants. This is what I think. Uh, so we'll have to set that up. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah. yeah. So we're going to come back to Storm King's Thunder in just a second. But I want to talk about the big surprise announcement uh, for a lot of people, which was Volo's Guide to Monsters. Sam Dillon, who is Volo? <laughs> no pressure. Uh, Volo is a, a very famous explorer in the second edition era Forgotten Realms campaign setting who wrote several previous guides to different areas in the Forgotten Realms. He had wrote a guide to Waterdeep, to the Dale Lands, a couple others, and uh, it was known for uh, raiding not only um, the, uh, the, the sort of uh, writing down the locations and, and what the, the town had to offer, but also, uh, for example, which, um, which tavern had the best ale and which, uh, which uh, area had the best um, you know, entertainment and, and things like that. Um, it was very much written as a uh, sort of um, holiday go-on-vacation guide to the different areas. Uh, and then interspersed within that sort of – that type of text or that type of context were you know, game-applicable items that you uh, could use to either as a, as a GM or DM planning your campaign in that area or you – know, hunting for adventure seeds or getting NPC names and things like that. Uh, they were a, a nice little, uh, they were digest size. Most of them, a couple of them weren't, but most of them were digest size. So it was a little nice little, you know, pocketbook. You could just stick in your back pocket and, you know, pull that out. Okay. Which is the best tavern, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but it was more than that. It, it had a lot more gameable material than it might seem, but, um, maps and all kinds of different things. So it was, it was good. And so this guide to monsters, uh, you know, apparently it is a deep dive into D and D's most popular iconic monsters, beholders, mind flares, Yuanti classics like the orcs, gnolls and kobolds. Uh, and then there's going to be some fifth edition supplement. So this sounds like it is very, very similar. A lot of really fun story um plus rules for new monsters uh they call out the neogi classic D&D monster who rarely makes it into the first monster manual of any edition i believe uh and then they also talk about uh new race options for players uh including goblin orc and fearbolg so really really exciting stuff i think to to have this uh you know players i think will pick it up for the races um you know certainly dms will pick it up for new monsters and everybody could enjoy the story it sounds like uh so are you guys excited about this we should also quickly mention that wizards um is if you buy uh, this product at a hobby store you can get an exclusive cover uh, that has a uh, sort of evil looking mind flare on the cover uh you know that that is the hobby store exclusive they're going to see how it works out if they sell a bunch of them they might do more in the future hobby store exclusive covers uh so anyway uh, how how we feeling about old volo here uh, patrick let's start with you Oh, I'm stoked. I love those old guides. They uh, they read something like a mix between David Attenborough and Anthony Bourdain. And that's a great flavor to add to any uh, campaign. And and honestly, I only needed to see the word Neogi. <laughs> um, the, the addition of evil space spiders makes everything better. 
<laughs> well, that's a yeah, that's a great way to describe the Neogi, an evil space spider. Uh, so uh, nice, nice. Well, yeah, I, I definitely will be excited to see the new monsters that come out of this. Uh, Ginny, how about you? How do you feel about Volo? I am very, very, very excited for Volo. Um, it's going to expand a lot on some monsters that we already have existing. It's going to give us more lore. That way you can really just kind of build out your world even better. It's going to have the, the new the new uh, player races. And it, it's got a lot of really, really great content in it. I think that it's going to be a book, like you said, that everyone is going to want. Uh, you know, uh, again, I'm very excited for it because I've seen some of it. So the the more I see of all of this new product, the more excited I, I really just get for the course that we've got plotted out for the future. I mean, Volo, the flavor, of course, of uh, how he does his writing um, is fantastic. Um, so I think uh, that new content, the new monsters, a little bit more information on some uh, different variants of monsters we've seen, like with the Yanti. I, I think it's going to be um, a, a big hit. So I'm super excited to see it. And I really, really want that alternate cover. It looks great. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here. I feel like we're getting the inside scoop, which is really always a good thing uh, for us. So, um, yeah, and I love that you brought up Volo style. Patrick and Sam, you know, obviously brought that up too. They talked about um, that Elminster uh, might have some sort of footnotes in here as well, uh, sort of correcting uh, what Volo, because, uh, you know, Volo is perhaps not the most reliable uh, individual. So that Elminster has, has gone through with a red pen and kind of uh you know got some little footnotes and stuff in there yeah they're kind of squaring off on uh their disagreement of the mind as you said uh Mm -hmm. but volo thinks he's right and alminster uh of course quite disagrees (laughs) of course you know that that's that's an interesting stylistic choice in terms of design but it's also uh i think a, a smart one because what happens is it makes both of them unreliable narrators <laughs> which basically in mechanical terms means the dm gets to do whatever the dm wants exactly right because you know even if a player reads that document well well vola was wrong sorry <laughs> yeah be careful who you take your information from Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's awesome that you'll be able to to pull out that card. So it's like, yeah, I bought this because I want to play a goblin, but I also read the other, you know, three hundred pages. <laughs> um, you know, you'll you'll be able to pull that out. And I also think it probably makes it a little more fun to read, right? Um, it's not just a, a guide. You get to see this playful banter back and forth between these two sort of very distinct characters, which is nice. Uh, Liz Tice, are you on Team Volo? So I am, I'm definitely team Volo. Um, well, at least in terms of the books, um, I'm also looking forward to the footnotes from Elminster. Um, I, I agree with Sam that it's, it's a genius stylistic choice for, for wizards. And I, I think it's also just a genius way to basically have another monster manual without saying monster manual two or something like that. Um, I'm always on the lookout for 
new new monsters to put into my game. Um, for instance, just before we started talking today, I was preparing for my upcoming session and I was thumbing through the whole monster manual going, I guess I could use this for the first combat. I don't know. And so then I was pulling out all of my third-party supplements. And so basically it's just... You know, the more monsters, the better in my in my mind. Um, and I I'm looking forward to seeing both of these books coming from Wizards in House. Um, it's it's been a while, so I'm I'm looking forward to that so much. Nice, yeah, I am really looking forward to that as well for that exact reason. Uh, Sam Dillon, are you on Team Volo? I really am for all the all the reasons that Liz that Liz mentioned. Uh, uh, see, that's why I, I like being on the show with her. She just says a bunch of stuff, and I say, "Yeah, what she said." <laughs> that was that was perfect. <laughs> no, I, I really do. I, I really I like that style of writing. It's much less textbooky, um, which I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm a professor. I'm fine reading textbooks, but I understand it's not the most wonderful thing to read for fun. Whereas Volo's guides, the the way that they were traditionally written was meant to be a fun romp to read through. Uh, and I, I, I got the feeling with the announcement when Mike Merles was, was making the announcement, I got the feeling that this is basically that same thing, but focused on monsters rather than locations. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. Uh, and it continues to the the sort of fifth edition ideal of story first, right? Which is really, really cool. So um, so uh, there were some other big parts of this announcement all related to Storm King's Thunder. Uh, I'm going to breeze through a couple real quick here. Uh, if you play Neverwinter, uh, they released a trailer for the um, Storm King's Thunder sort of expansion of Neverwinter that looks really cool. And also announced Neverwinter's coming to the PlayStation 4. If that's a thing that, uh, if you have a PlayStation 4 and want to play Neverwinter, now you can. It's totally free. Doug Davison from Fantasy Grounds came on and said, uh, I think what we all expected him to say, that all of the Storm King's Thunder adventure stuff will be loaded into Fantasy Grounds. That is huge news for people who play on a a virtual tabletop and use fantasy grounds. Um, you know, I think that's, that's pretty awesome that wizards is, uh, getting with the program there and doing that kind of thing. Uh, and then there was an announcement from whiz kids, uh, that uh, we knew that they were going to make miniatures. And then the next day they talked about how they were going to go ahead and, uh, make a board game that you could also play with your storm Kings thunder, uh, uh, miniatures. It's called uh, Assault of the Giants. Uh, so, uh, of those things, the Fantasy Grounds, the Neverwinter, Assault on, of the Giants, uh, you know, we uh, and Alt Space VR, we should mention that. Alt Space VR uh, uh, was there. They are making a virtual reality Dungeons and Dragons experience that sounded really uh, interesting. Uh, and they basically admitted, like, we don't know what people are going to like in VR, so we're trying a whole bunch of different stuff, and then we're listening to consumers. Um, so of those things, uh, what were you really like most pumped up about to hear? And why don't we start with you, Ginny? <laughs> I am a huge board game fan. So I'm super pumped for the new board game, Assault of the Giants. Uh, I've gotten really, really, really incredibly too far into miniature collecting. So <laughs> 
you know how that goes. So I'm I'm super excited to see that, especially because we've got the um, the other kind of D and D themed board game coming out this summer as well, Tyrants of the Underdark. So to be able to get you know two new D and D board games, um, both with that um, classic kind of story feel to them. Um, I'm super excited. It's going to be a very exciting summer and fall for board games for D&D. I forgot about the Underdark board game that's coming up, but that's going to be cool too. Rodney Thompson yeah. designed that. Yeah, We're premiering it at Origins. I'll be there teaching you how to play it. There you go. All right. You're just getting all the previews. That's great. <laughs> I, I'm not going to have it until I get to Origins either, so I'll be learning it and then teaching you. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> just, go. just to be clear on that. <laughs> Uh, so wait, when are we all meeting for her to teach us the, the new game? That's, I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're learning. We're learning how to play Tyrants of the Underdark at Origins, um, Assault of the Giants. I'm not sure when their the release date on that is, um, but you can uh, bet your bottom that I'm going to be trying to get in on that too. Allegedly <laughs> August. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe we can get a a copy of that and I'll teach you all how to play at a dragon con. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Liz Tice, uh, what about you of the sort of um, non tabletop uh, experiences? Although I fantasy grounds and, uh, and virtual reality D and D really are tabletop experiences of all of those things. uh, What were you most excited to hear? Well, I was, I was so excited to see Doug um, up there. I, I, love Doug. He's such a great guy. Um, and he is really smart about how he runs his business. So it was great to see a shout out for, um, my friends over, um, at Smiteworks. And I'm, I mean, I haven't used fantasy grounds in a while, um, mainly because I don't currently have a virtual game running. Uh, but hearing, uh, the example from the community created, uh, language converter <laughs> for lack of a better name, <laughs> That was just amazing. Um, for for those of you who who didn't uh, see this part of it, it I mean, it sounds like you can basically write in a phrase and it will convert your phrase into Elvish, for example. And only characters with Elvish can see the translation, and that that is just phenomenal. So uh, I was inspired, um, and I think I'm going to have to go uh, boot up my uh, copy of Fantasy Grounds and give it a try. It's just stuff like that is is what makes me really excited about the the future of this hobby. Yeah, I really agree. I think it's great to see virtual tables kind of everywhere doing stuff like that, thinking about like, okay, what can we do at a virtual table that you can't necessarily do, you know, at an in-person game or you couldn't do without technology there at the table, right? Um, so that's yeah. that's kind of cool. Dynamic lighting really makes vision matter in a way that maybe it hasn't before. It- it's it's something that you can use for your in-person games too. Totally. Um, you don't you don't need to necessarily be doing a virtual game. My one of my favorite setups that I was a player in was done um, with my GM. He had a copy of Fantasy Grounds running, and he actually um, had his project a projector hanging from his ceiling and projecting down the map onto the table where we were all sitting. And so um, it was a really fun table to play at. And, you know, it just involved a projector and a computer and uh, a white tabletop. And, I mean, it's something that many, many people can do uh, with their own setup if they wanted to. 
Yeah, which is great. And it's 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 awesome to see people integrating that stuff into their table at home. So, uh, And I do love Doug. He's been on this podcast many times. He is an awesome guy, and people should check out the live stream just to hear the story of how he bought Fantasy Grounds because it's hilarious. Yes. Um, so definitely listen to that. Sam Dillon, what was your favorite of uh, all of these uh, various announcements? Uh, I like the, the new board game. Um, announcement. Yeah. I I don't play uh, online games or or video games of any type. Actually, um, haven't for many years. Well, but um, not the not original that I, Grognard. Not that I don't like them. I, I, I I'd like them. I just don't have time for them. So, <laughs> um, you know, my my choice is either either play video games or play actual RPGs at the table, and I choose the latter. So, mm-hmm. um, so no uh, no judgment. I just don't have time. But uh, but so but I do play board games and I play board games with my wife. So I uh, I, I think we'll get a lot of use out of the uh, the new board game announcement. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be good. I, I love. I'm I'm also a minis addict. So. I um I, I love the idea that it's going to be you know this box of minis. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it gives you a good excuse to buy more because I do you know uh, maybe you're like Liz Tice you're not going to go buy giants because you you've never played with giants in D and D right um, but now you've got this excuse to do so if you love this board game so yeah uh, there you go <laughs> that's also a good thing um, Patrick Dennis how about you what was your favorite part of all these various announcements. Oh, there's so many. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of miniatures as a general rule, but I don't collect them anymore because I live in you know a small apartment in D.C. <laughs> um, but I do love the idea of miniature giants, kind of like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> tower, tower over your other minis. Um, I do think uh, putting Neverwinter on PlayStation 4 is a good way to go for them. Mm-hmm. For folks that don't have the time to play a lot of in-person games, that are into D&D and Forgotten Realms lore. It's a good way to get a, a nice sample or, you know, sample platter of all the various uh, adventures and storylines they've released over the last couple of years. And they put it on, it's on PC and Xbox One, um, but PlayStation 4 has a much larger install base than Xbox. And yeah. so that may more casual players who are having a ton of fun with, the game and leveling up their characters and getting kind of a really simplified version of D and D in front of them in a way that they're used to playing games. And it might actually lead them to buy the books, find a local group, things like that. So I think that's a really good, smart thing for them to do. And if they have cross platform play, um, it'll make the, the game on Xbox and PC that much better. If you have, everybody crossing platforms at some point they'll catch up with all the modules. So everything's in line. I think currently Xbox is two or three modules behind the PC and I imagine PlayStation will be in that same way. Kind of the way Diablo did when they rolled it out for the uh, consoles. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're, you're right. You definitely have your finger on the numbers there. Um, and it is really smart. And since it is free to play, uh, that's good. And I, you know, I never really thought about it, but it's true. That is a great way to get a D and D fix. If you, for whatever reason, aren't able to find other players and you love the forgotten realms. Why don't we move on to the final sort of segment where they announced force gray. It's got a storm Kings thunder storyline tie in. It is a new 
live stream D&D show. Matt Mercer of Critical Role is the DM. Wizards of the Coast is making it with Geek and Sundry. Uh, instead of voice actors like there are on Critical Role, this was a lot of comedians. Uh, Jonah Ray was there. Um, uh, Brian Poussein. Chris Hardwick is going to be a part of it. He was not there uh, at the the announcement, but they said, yeah, he's going to be a, a normal part of this. Shelby Farrow, uh, Ashley Johnson, and Utkrush Ambudakar. But I know before we started this podcast, Liz Tice said she had <laughs> strong feelings about Force Grey Giant Hunter. Uh, Liz Tice, what are your strong feelings? I have to know. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so I, when they first started talking about it, I was actually quite excited. I was okay, Matthew, uh, you know, Matt Mercer. I have watched a few episodes of Critical Role. He's he's great in it. Um, very impressive voices, of course, which makes sense because he's a voice actor. Uh, but it, you know, enjoyable, fun to watch, and um, I was actually pleasantly surprised um, and enjoyed the segment where I think it was. Ashley and um, uh, Jonah Ray were talking about their their characters. Um, I, I thought they were really funny, and I was also looking forward to the, uh, the show. And then the last segment came on, mm-hmm. uh, and I immediately just sort of shut off. Um, I was put off by the fact that Utkarsh, who is hilarious, a funny actor, I love him on the Mindy Project, um, but he mentioned something that really stood out to me, that he was buying something at um, uh, the store a week before, and they said, hey, you want to be on this thing? And he basically said, okay. Um, and it really just came off as him saying, like, oh, cool, uh, I get a job where I can play this game. No real interest. I, I felt like he didn't really have any interest in D&D. Um, it just sort of, it, it really did not play well with me at all. Um, and that really put me off. And then uh, during the actual sort of prologue segment where they were um, doing a little little bit of role playing, mm-hmm. it it just amplified that for me um, with both him and um uh, is it Shelby? Yeah, um, because she also had uh, no experience playing playing D and D, and it it just didn't it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, it seemed like they they were just there to get a paycheck, and that's the impression I got, and that was disappointing. They felt a little. Uh, I don't want to say glib, but it felt like they were more going for jokes and going yep. for kind of one-liners instead of trying to to build the story. Um, it did. I mean, Matt Mercer, uh, man, I could watch that guy though DM yeah, all day for, sure. Uh, for so, sure. Yeah, and I wonder. Part of me wonders, like, does the fact that there's an actual live audience there reacting does that change things? Will it be different if if, if it's not as live? You know, will they? Will somebody talk to them and say like, "Hey, it's a little more like improv and scene building than it is like tr- just trying to make people laugh and and be glib and stuff." So uh, I, I hope so, but I mean, if if they wanted this to be the thing that hooks people and gets people watching the show, I don't I don't know how successful that will be, um, but. Perhaps if they they approach things differently when they're um, recording future episodes. I mean, is if I hear from other people, oh man, this this show is awesome. Mm-hmm. I might 
go return to watch it. But as it stands, I am not planning on, you know, watching the show. Gotcha. So they have uh, lost you uh, and they they need to garner. They need to win me back. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Well, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. Are you a big Chris Hardwick fan? I am indifferent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, uh, I, I've I've heard he's fantastic. I just haven't uh, really watched anything that he's been on, so I can't really speak to him particularly. Well, but, uh, he's probably yeah, best Matthew known Mercer, for singled out back in the day, uh, which is a thing I know <laughs> nothing about. Sam <laughs> uh, Dylan, how do you feel about Force Gray Dragon Hunters? <laughs> Uh, you know, I I did not even uh, honestly uh, full disclosure. I didn't watch that part of mm-hmm. uh, of of the announcement because I don't uh, once again have time to watch critical. Yeah. Although you know, I ha- I heard good things about it, and I, there's lots of hype about it, and and I'm tempted to watch it if I can get some time this summer. Uh, but it's definitely not on my radar as something that needs to be paid attention to specifically, especially after what I just heard, because that would turn me off too. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, here's the thing, right? There's probably some really big Uber D&D fan who needs a job who would totally play a role and play at that table mm. and be totally awesome um, otherwise, you know, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. No, I think the, I think you're so. absolutely right. Yeah, that it, it it's kind of hard, and there you know supposedly there are a lot of comedians and writers and storytellers and stuff in Hollywood who play D and D. So it is a little like, ah, man, were you really just asking people as they came into a comic book shop, like, hey, you want to do this thing? Because <laughs> there's probably other people you yeah. could have asked who who might have and, jumped at the chance if they were. Free. You know, was was he kidding? Like, was that supposed to be a joke or was it real? Because that, I mean, either way, it came off poorly, obviously. But if it really was actually a joke and they had asked him previously and they specifically picked him and, you know, that's very different from, hey, I happened to walk into the store and they said, hey, do you want to do this thing? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, he didn't tell it like it was a joke, but uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe we're just weird. Patrick, what did you think? Uh, are you uh, going to tune in to Force Gray? I'm going to try to. I have to admit, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Critical Role, mm-hmm. um, but the beginning of a, a new group with a new story kind of gives a lot of folks that don't want to try to catch up to Critical Role the opportunity to hop on. And because Matt Mercer is great. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fantastic. Is The stuff that he comes up with mechanically is really cool. Um, I've heard really good things about uh, Critical Role. But I kind of agree with the the rest of you guys. I'm nervous about um, the people that are involved, just in if they're actually going to try to play to enjoy the game, or if they're doing it just for you know uh, giggles. Because um, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of folks, certainly comedians. Um, a lot of them do tend to be D and D players and things like that. That would probably fill seats better. But, I mean, there's a value to having new players at the table, too, because uh, Mercer can explain mechanics to them as well as the viewer, things like that. But I don't honestly watch a lot of games online. I don't, I don't watch a lot on Twitch. I don't mm-hmm. uh, watch a lot of YouTube channels because I just simply don't have the time to, to watch on a weekly basis. So every once in a while I try to catch up. But I will try – to keep up on this show enough to, to get a feel for it so I don't 
uh, dismiss it too out of hand. I do like Chris Hardwick, so the the promise of him too um, also uh, will get me at least into the first episode. But I share the same concern certainly that Liz has, uh, and I am a little, I'm just a little like, uh, you know. But it was also it was also their all of their first time and Critical Role. That first episode of Critical Role is a group that has been playing together in private for two years as well, um, and it is hard to catch up on Critical Role. They, you know, what is there like a hundred. 80 hours now you would have to watch to get caught up on uh so that's that's a lot of tv to watch even if you're like watching in the background at work or whatever um that's a lot to get caught up on and a lot of story uh Ginny, how about you force gray dragon or dragon hunters wow giant hunters uh what do you think <laughs> uh, i'm kind of on the fence as as well i watched a little bit of it um uh, haven't had a chance to see the whole thing but um, I mean, they had some some good moments, but then um, again, as uh, <clears throat> as was mentioned uh, by Liz, I mean, it, it just kind of seemed some of it seemed a little bit forced. Um, maybe that was a studio audience. Um, maybe it was you know the newness to D and D. But I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment on it. Um, I, I'll wait and see because I mean we got a lot of people on there who are very talented at what they do. Um, so it's, it's got a lot of potential. They have assembled, um, on paper, a really good cast. So, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it, it turns out well, we've got, a, a in wizards has really hyped it. So, yeah, they definitely have. And I do think they must be benefiting from live streaming because they are pushing it very hard. Right. Um, so I, I think there must be a fair amount of, of, uh, as that has gotten more popular, maybe they've seen sales and stuff increase, which would be a great thing. So I'm excited to check it out when it hits. Uh, you know, I definitely want to see more of, of what's going on, uh, cautiously, uh, optimistic about it. Um, but we will see, we will see if they are able to win Liz Tice back. Those are super, super valid concerns that you have, Liz. Definitely want people People representing role-playing games, uh, you know, who are out there in the public eye to, to care about what they're doing, right? Because um, otherwise, that's, you know, could hurt the industry, uh, which is certainly a thing I don't want to see. I think that is going to do it for this episode of The Roundtable. Uh, Ginny Loveday, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Facebook or on Twitter, although I'm not very active there. Um, and if you've got any like super important like uh, official questions or you want D and D support at your store, you can also email me at my official D and D email. Um, and I guess I'll give all that to you, James, so you can put all my contact information below. But you can always find me on Facebook. Uh, you could find me in person again. That's in Knoxville, not Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So uh, all of that will be in the show notes at thetomeshow.com. Uh, Liz Tice, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Liz the Is. That's how you spell my name, Liz Tice. And um, I'll also be at Gen Con at the Tome Show uh, live recording. Uh, on uh what is it friday yeah um, friday at uh five o'clock from five to yeah. six thirty so so come to that if you're gonna be at gen con yeah. um but that's where you can find me yeah yes. it's the liz's free gen con uh so Yay! that's the, the theme of gen con this year <laughs> also be at gen con origins and dragon con upcoming if you want to meet me in person 
There you go. Yes, awesome. it's season. <laughs> uh, Sam Dillon, where can people find you? Well, unfortunately, I won't be at Gen Con. No. That is so depressing, I know. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel, or you can find me on RPG Musings, which is my blog, which I haven't updated in a long time, but shh, don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> or you can find me at the Play on Target podcast, where I am a consistent host there. And let me just say, as an RPG blogger, uh, you can go back and read old posts. Like, our old posts are just as good. So check out RPG Musings, because that is a great <laughs> site. And Sam has some great articles there. So well, thank you, James. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Patrick, Patrick Dennis, where can people find you? Well, um, I'm on Twitter, at Patrick Badger, like the animal. Um, I also have a website, um, limpingandstrutting.com, um, where I mostly, <laughs> yeah, I mostly wax poetic on, uh, disability politics and things like that. There is a section on, um, disability and gaming that, uh, is sitting there empty at the moment. I haven't, uh, gotten off my butt to start filling it, but that isn't the future of that website. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Patrick really, really knows his stuff. Uh, you should definitely check that out because uh, he's the man. Uh, so everybody, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable today. And before we go, it's time for our final segment, the DMs Guild pick of the episode. This week's highlighted DMs Guild product comes from none other than Greg Marks. It is Aurora's Whole Realms Catalog, Volume 1. Now, Greg was on the podcast. He talked to us about this. It is a really, really cool supplement that helps players spend their gold. Something that really we need more of in 5th edition. My players are the 17th level now, and they're just stockpiling gold. They got nothing to spend it on. This is a great way to take care of that problem. Aurora's Whole Realms Catalog is an old-school product that that Greg is bringing in to 5th edition. He's got all kinds of new stuff. There's going to be old classics. It's great. This is just the first volume, and every volume has a word from the proprietor that includes useful background for using Auroras in your game, two differently themed collections of mundane items, and a for-your-game that includes player options. This volume will get you 20 mundane items from the Actor's Stage and Warrior's Rack. A welcome to the catalog by the owner of the by the current owner of the business, a catalog agent background, and a forward by former TSR employee Ann K. Brown. She's the original Aurora. People, go check it out. There's a direct link to Aurora's Whole Realms Catalog, Volume 1. You're going to want to get the other volumes when they come out, too. It's over in the show notes at thetomeshow.com. This is a steal at $1.99. Thanks to my panelists for this episode, Ginny Loveday, Liz Tice, Patrick Dennis, and the great Sam Dillon. All right, everyone, you can find me on Twitter at James Intricasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building. It's over at worldbuilderblog.me. I just want to send out a quick 
shout out and thank you for all the love and support that we got for Roll20Con. It was great, all of the people who tuned in, all the people who have been watching the videos afterwards. I DM'd two D&D 5e games uh, that you can go check out uh, on the Roll20 Twitch stream. Uh, They're also going to be posted to the Roll20 YouTube channel later on, so definitely go check those out, see what the con was all about. It was a great, great time. Thanks to everybody involved. Thanks to Roll20 for having us. And thanks to all of you listeners who supported us and were shouting us out in the comments and everything. That was really, really awesome. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Roundtable. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling, and keep on listening to The Roundtable. <laughs>